the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Firing Line with Philip Naiman. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Turner's Outdoorsman, IndustryGreetings.com, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Vortex Optics, Vortex, The Force of Optics, and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. And now your host, Philip Naiman. Hey folks, welcome to another edition of Firing Line Radio Show. This is Philip Naiman. I hope you're having a great weekend wherever you are. You know, we have we have an opportunity to say something I don't get to say very often. And that is that the Second Amendment community has had a huge win in California. That's right. Hold down the fort. We actually had a win. You know, we've we've got the great ruling of Bruin, right? And the New York, the New York Gun and Pistol Club brought that, took it all the way to the Supreme Court. They won, gave us a legitimate ruling on the Second Amendment. And now all the other horrific bills that have been passed and laws legislated against freedom in this country are being retried. And the one we had the success with this week was called the roster bill, not the rooster, although it looks like one, but it's the roster bill. About 10 years ago, they came up with this scheme, Kamala Harris, Gavin Newsom, uh, Jerry Brown et al. They came up with a scheme to limit the number of firearms and, and Arnold Schwarzenegger do not forget his nefarious activity in this. Never forgive him or watch one of his movies again. The came up with this scheme that a firearm had to be deemed safe to be used in California. And the only way you could deem your firearm safe was to pay a $10,000 fee, donate several firearms to the state so they can do drop testing, throw it against the wall, acid dipping, whatever they wanted to do to it to determine it to be safe. After that, uh, Schwarzenegger signed a bill called the micro-stamping bill, saying that no semi-automatics can be added to the semi-automatic pistols can be added to the roster unless they have micro-stamping on the parts, meaning that when a shell was fired, the shell would eject with a identifier on it that would tell you whose gun that came out of. All right. That was actually made into law. Schwarzenegger signed it says it doesn't matter. The science doesn't work. So it can never be enforced. Well, Kakala Harris was the next attorney general right after him. And she said, yeah, that sounds good. We'll just make it law now, even though the technology doesn't exist, thereby precluding any new semi-automatics into the market of California. Um, what was left was the roster, which meant if you went to a gun store in California, you're going to see the same stuff in every single store, unless it's a used rack. You're going to see Smith and Wesson shield, some XDs, the Glock 19 generation three, 17 generation three, literally on five. Now you'll never see a 41, a 43, a 47, 48. None of those exist uh, because they 
came into being after the market or after the uh, handgun roster came out. Anyway, that was just kicked out of court. So I'm sure California will continue to fight it. But just the fact that the, the federal judges came out and said this didn't exist in 1776, it shouldn't exist now as far as a rule, according to the Bruin law, therefore the roster is hiatus. Hit the road, Jack. So that's a great thing. So obviously you should be buying, you know, firearm company stocks these days because <laughs> everybody who's had their 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 wish list denied because it wasn't available in California soon should have that availability opened up. Anyway, that was a great thing. We want to just mention that. Uh, Tracy Hill is my guest. Tracy Hill is in Ohio, the free state of Ohio. And he is a specialist on the Thompson submachine gun. Tracy, you ever heard of such a crazy thing as that roster? I've heard of many schemes, but I have to admit that California always takes the uh, cake when, when it comes to stupid. <laughs> well, nothing exceeds like excess. Exactly. Exactly. It's a good thing you guys don't get all the government you pay for out there. We try. S sounds like it. Well, we, you know, we, we even have billion dollar surpluses that disappear. So yeah. it, it's a wonderful thing. It's anyway, thing. yeah, like 80 billion a year disappear <laughs> after, after 80 billion, it's kind of serious money, yeah. you know, but you know, 50 billion here, 50 billion there. Who, who really counts that? That's like nothing. Chump change. Anyway, Tracy Hill is an author. Tracy Hill is a firearm historian. Tracy Hill is a know-it-all about a very specific uh, firearm and know-it-all in a good way. That's why we have him on here uh, in a good way about the Thompson submachine gun. Now, what the heck is a Thompson? If you don't know, stop listening now, go look it up, right? Because this is one of the most iconic firearms of, our, of the 20th century. Everybody's seen it. It's the chopper right? Go get the chopper. Um, you even seen it. I've seen it recently uh, used in a movie in 1923, right? It kind of surprised me when that popped out. But anyway, I won't give you a spoiler alert, but it's in there. Tracy, uh, you are the author of three books on the Thompson Center. You're the Thompson American legend, the ultimate Thompson book, and you're finishing the Thompson Encyclopedia. And those are available on Amazon, or some of them are available on Amazon. Correct. The website is machinegunboards.com. Look up American Thompson Association on that, and you can contact him if you want a signed copy, right? Correct. Very good. So let's give a little bit of history of why you were interested in this firearm, and then we'll talk about the firearm itself. Well, basically, I guess I grew up in a uh, house that we were taught firearms safety, and I was a trap shooter in the beginning. But it, growing up uh, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, there was all kinds of television shows that had uh, the Thompson featured, like uh, Rat Patrol and the FBI story and et cetera, et cetera. And I just always thought that was a pretty cool movie. Or, you know, you probably cool thought your trap score would go up if you were using a Thompson too, right? Well, it never did for some strange reason. <laughs> But I ended up with less money to spend on ammunition for traps. So uh, I ended up uh, uh, buying a, my first Thompson with my help from my father, who had been trained on the gun in the Army Air Corps. And oh, wow. so, what, what year was that? Uh, that was uh, 86, 86, 87. And um, 
it's kind of been like eating potato chips. You just can't stop at one, and uh, the history just sucks you in. So very cool. That's your personal history with them. Now, the, was that made by auto ordinance in 86, 87? Uh, the gun that I bought, yes, was the the problem with calling it made by auto ordinance. Auto ordinance has had a number of owners, right? Uh, just like any gun collecting uh, uh, hobby. So the key is trying to figure out which auto ordinance era you're talking about. Okay, so we'll go back to that because Thompson was actually named after a person. Correct, General John Thompson. You know, I'm glad you said that. I thought his name was Gene, but hey, General John Thompson, correct me before I make my mistakes. We'll get along a lot better. That's fine. James was actually his father. James was what sent him down the road. So tell us about that. Well, James was a uh, Congressional Medal of Honor winner uh, during the Civil War. And because of that, uh, his son was able to go to West Point. So John went to West Point, came out of uh, there, and went into what Coastal, year? Um, eighteen eighty-two. Yeah, yeah, eighteen eighty-two. And um, from there, he uh, went into Colstar Artillery, and uh, during the uh, Spanish-American War, actually um, started to get into Army Ordnance, and uh, ended up as the head uh, ordnance officer for the expedition into Cuba. Now, what year was the expedition into Cuba? Uh, 98 or something? 98, yeah, something like that. And I just remember that because they had the Spanish Mauser that year. So, Correct, correct. There you go. All right. Well, that and that's actually why John started to pay attention to small arms in particular was because he came up against the Mausers and smokeless powder. Most of the American guns at the time were firing black powder and were single shot. Like 30, 40 Craigs or something? Exactly. And um, so it, he took it upon himself after so let that. Me, let, let's, let's just talk about this distinction between yeah. smokeless and black powder. Right. Uh, smokeless powder, if you're shooting back in the woods, you know, you can get away with it. With a black powder round, you've got a nice big ring of smoke right in front of you. Not only does that mark your location, but you can't see through it for your second shot. So a lot of a lot of reasons that an army would want to as quickly as possible move off of smoke of black powder to smokeless. Not to mention the volatility, right? No, volatility it can be handled, but the other big problem with black powder is corrosion. Yeah, and and if you aren't cleaning a gun religiously with black powder, the gun will corrode and be become well, inoperable. The other point of that is if you're live, putting a signature from wherever you're firing from, you don't live long enough to have to clean your gun. So true. You know, it, it, it works itself out in the long run. Yeah. Well, the other thing is if you mark your position, the enemy may return artillery fire back on you rather than shoot at you with a rifle. It's, it's not, it's not a good thing to say, Hey, I'm over here in any time or fashion. Okay. So, so the general was in the, uh, Cuban conflict, Spanish-American war, and decided that smokeless powder was the way to go. We're going to have to take a break right here, but I want to set this up about what he decided to do about it. And this was General John Thompson. Um, right about the turn of the century, gets a great idea, and Tracy, I'll let you pick it up from there. Springtime is just around the corner. Soon, it'll be time to get back outdoors and soak up a little sun. And we need it. So why not enjoy the outdoors or the things you love in the field or the range, in the lake, or even in the stream? It's a great time now to get stocked up with the gear you need. 
Turner's Outdoorsman is California's number one hunting, fishing, and shooting sports retailer since 1971, and it even has 33 locations across California and one in Tucson, Arizona. Turner's is your one-stop shop for all your shooting sports and fishing tackle needs. We offer a full selection and unmatched prices on firearms, ammunition, gun safes, shooting accessories, archery equipment, and fishing tackle. Visit turners.com now and sign up for the Turner's Discount Club for free and get our weekly ads and member specials sent directly to your inbox. Turner's Outdoorsman's, savings you deserve on the gear you need. It's definitely expensive to advertise for your business, but not advertising is more costly to your bottom line, especially in this current economic climate. While we all know that sending Christmas cards to family and friends is an American tradition, we forget to extend that tradition to our customers and business associates. So show your appreciation for customer loyalty and remind clients that you and your company are still ready for their business. But don't just send any card to take advantage of the marketing opportunity that you're looking for. Your cards need to stand out. IndustryGreetings.com specializes in industry-specific Christmas cards. Whether you're an accountant, contractor, realtor, welder, or anything in between, our creative and exclusive card designs are the perfect fit. So head over to IndustryGreetings.com and search by your industry. Or check out our patriotic or religious Christmas cards and order today. That's IndustryGreetings.com or call them at 800-431-9161. IndustryGreetings.com, 800-431-9161. I use them, so should you. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Turner's Outdoorsman. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. Hey, folks, welcome back to Firing Line Radio Show. Philip Naiman. Get our podcast at FiringLineRadio.com. FiringLineRadio.com. You can also find them on Apple, iTunes, um, Spotify, wherever else you get your stuff on there. Uh, we do have them under, strangely enough, Firing Line Radio. And our YouTube channel at Firing Line Radio. Uh, also, so that's where they are. I hope you are going to listen to them. If you want to get some swag, we've got some pretty cool hats and, and shirts still. That's firinglineradio.com. And all of our vendor discounts are on there. Very important. You want to save 15% on things like Maglite or, or uh, McMillan MC3 stocks or uh, 50 bucks on EMP shields. Um, we even have cutting edge bullets, 50% or 15, excuse me, 15% off on that. So we've got some great vendor discounts on there. They got the codes on the site. Just use them. I'd love to have my, uh, my, uh, supporters, you know, continue to support us and you get a big discount on that. So check that out at firinglineradio.com. Joining me back here, I have Tracy Hill, Tracy Hill, the author of Thompson, the American legend, the ultimate Thompson book, and even the Thompson encyclopedia. And what we're talking about is the person who invented the Thompson and his name, oddly enough, is Thompson. General John Thompson, you keep messing messing that. (laughs) So General John Thompson um, a veteran of the Spanish-American conflict, correct? Uh, fought in Cuba, and what was his decision after that nefarious deal? Well, actually, after the Cuban conflict, he came back to the States and re- resigned from the military and went to work for Remington. Um, under Remington's uh, guidance or employment, he helped set up the Eddystone Rifle Factory at Eddystone, Pennsylvania, and put into production also the uh, Bridgeport Ammunition Plant for for Remington. 
but also in his free time, he started studying uh, designs for breech locks, breech locking mechanisms for a uh, fully automatic weapon. And uh, he stumbled into the patent uh, design by a gentleman by the name of Captain John Blish. And um, from that, he hired an engineer, uh, went to work in his house in uh, Pennsylvania, Eddystone. And uh, they started to study this particular pistol. This is the what is known to collectors as the uh, Blish pistol. Uh, it was the patent design that uh, Captain John Blish gave to the patent office to demonstrate his locking mechanism. And from this, the engineers uh, then set up operations in Cleveland and began to experiment with the, the locking mechanism. You say breech locking. Can you explain that, please? Basically, on this pistol, and it's a um, chambered in 7.62, um, and this is a Luger barrel. When the gun fires, and it's fired by a, a lanyard pull on the trigger, the before the cartridge completely exits the uh, muzzle, the, the chamber pressure is dropped enough that this sliding wedge slides downward and locks into place. And the remaining gases then eject the cartridge out the back and shoot it off to the right on the ramp. And then the gun is reloaded by simply inserting another cartridge, and the whole process is repeated. So his his was a single shot that just showed how to it would eject. Me. It was simply a it was simply a patent design to show how this locking mechanism worked. Very good. Okay, thank you. And from that, the engineers went to uh, work in Cleveland and uh, started work outside uh, a company called Warner Swayze. Up there, Warner Swayze helped him with the uh, uh, R&D on the metallurgy. And uh, they tried the design with a rifle design, which really did not work for them. Uh, but they did find that the only cartridge that uh, did work very well with this locking mechanism, that was the 45 ACP, which General Thompson had actually also been involved in in the uh, uh creation of the cartridge because of the uh, testing that he had done under the Lagarde uh, testing for the Army up in uh, Chicago, testing what bullets had the greatest stopping power. He also then later became involved in the 1911 process. You know, if you start saying bullets have the greatest stopping power, we're going to run into the 9 millimeter versus 45 conflict. And, and that is exactly oh what my goodness, the argument here we was go. about. Yeah, that was exactly what the argument was about. And what they found, what they found in their testing on testing on on steers, basically, was that it would, took one slug from the forty-five to drop a steer, whereas it took several on the nine millimeter. So if you're ever against a sixteen hundred pounder, you better have your forty-five ready. Yeah, stop the bull in, the, in his tracks. That would do it. Okay, continue, please. Well, once uh, they they decided on the 45 cartridge, they then developed a series of 40 prototypes that were known as the models of 1919. This is one of the models of 1919. Um, no two of the guns are identical. Uh, this is the oldest handheld American submachine gun in private hands. 
All the older ones are in uh, museums like West Point or Rock Island Arsenal. Now, John, did that cost you more than uh, a Yugo, a used Yugo? Um, At the time, believe it or not, no. Uh, Because um, when I started in the hobby in 87, you could buy prototypes cheaper than you could buy production guns. (laughs) Because nobody wanted prototypes because you couldn't shoot them. So I fell in love with the prototypes being an engineer. Uh, Most of these guns actually have the original scribe lines from the engineers still on them. And it was uh, fascinating to look behind the eyes to see how somebody else was thinking. Folks, if you're just listening to this on uh, on the radio, he's holding up the pistol version, right? What would you call his version of the prototype? Uh, this is the model of 1919. This is not the pistol version. This is okay. the only version at the time. Right. Uh, the gun was designed to not have a buttstock, no rear sights, and only fired in fully automatic. And this is what he was going to give to every troop crossing no man's land in World War I, which was going on at the time that this gun was designed to take out enemy defenses. Yeah, it's the wall of fire. Yep. This particular gun could fire 1,500 rounds per minute, which means that with a 20-round box mag, it was out of ammunition in a heartbeat. Yeah. You'd be dropping magazines all the time. The barrel has a very unique feature on it, the first uh, 10 or 12 inches of it. Well, the guns of the era had what were called radiator barrels, and they basically had these fin patterns on them. The Lewis gun had it. The French had it on their heavy machine guns, um, and basically it was to dispense the heat. They felt that the the radiators would uh, keep the barrels from warping and give the barrels longer life. Did it, or was it just a cool factor? It was a design factor of the time. It was a common practice. Um, Later, the fins were done away with, and the barrel retained its same thickness and functioned just as well. Yeah, very cool. So that's the first prototype, 1919. How's our history go from there? Well, from there, once they ended up with a final design, they create contracted with Colt patent firearms to create 15,000 model production models of the Colt Thompson submachine gun. Now, this is your gangster era, FBI era gun. What year was that? This is 1921. This is actually the 60th gun produced. Um, one some of the features that you'll notice the difference between the 1919s is it now has a buttstock, but the buttstock is removable. Hmm. It has a rear sight. The uh, cocking handles in the middle now instead of being offset, mm-hmm. and it has a, a feature for semi-automatic fire. This was uh, what was envisioned to to go to go to war in World War One. Uh, but uh, the war ended, and Colt and Auto Ordnance ended up with 15,000 of these sitting on the shelf wondering what to do with them. The, uh, of course, after World War One, the Depression and everything, um, military wasn't interested in buying new weaponry. Uh, they also weren't convinced on the idea. 
Uh, law enforcement at the time didn't have an idea of what to do with it. The only people who were actually very free th- thinkers and who had money were, of course, the criminal element. <laughs> and at the time... Free, free thinkers. Free thinkers. Free, think, free thinkers. They always would think outside the box. That they do. And, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold you there. We're going to pick it up after this next commercial here, just as we're coming into the, the era of the Chapa. Hey folks, Philip Naiman, Firingland Radio Show, here with Tracy Hill, um, Thompson Encyclopedia author. We'll be right back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. New company, same Ed Hoffman. If you've heard my show, The Main Event, then you know that I think like you do, and that's what you want when you're looking for someone to advise you on real estate financing. Whether you're thinking of financing a piece of property you'd like to own, or refinancing a piece of property you already own, or if you or your spouse are over 62 and you'd like to find out more about that reverse mortgage thing that everyone is talking about, and whether that property is in California or another state where you'd like to go to escape California, I can help you find the solution that's right for you and in step with your short-term and long-term plans. Call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free area code 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. Hi folks, Philip Naiman from Firing Line Radio Show. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated million dollars for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life, CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at CCWSafe.com. AM590. The answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by CCW Safe by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. Spartans! Lay down your weapons! Hey folks, welcome back to Firing Line Radio Show. I hope you're having a great day. We are learning so much here about the Thompson submachine gun. Uh, Tracy Hill is the authority on this. I mean, the man's written not only the ultimate Thompson book, but the Thompson Encyclopedia. So we're going to trust his judgment as we go through here. We just finished up the development of the firearm. Uh, 15,000 were made through Colt. They're sitting around. The mafia says, hey, you know what? This uh, Forget about it. This would be a pretty good thing. You know, bada boom, bada bing. We could use these things. So uh, the, the next version of this gun or the next iteration of this firearm happened in the late 20s? Correct. This is a 1920s era. And this, this was the design that you saw from about the 1920s to about 1939. Okay, um, but the gangsters liked it because it was portable. It was um, actually very cheap to purchase at the time. You could buy one of these at any good hardware store for uh, two hundred dollars. 
there was no laws against it because the laws had not caught up with the technology. Um, most machine guns of the era were crew-served heavy weapons, and most people didn't understand that these even existed. Okay, so this is the version that you saw in all of the Hollywood movies of the time, right? Correct, correct. And the one thing that um, people don't understand is you, you see him all the time that every gangster in Hollywood has one under his coat or in his violin case. Uh, let's dispense a couple of myths right there. First of all, um, this won't fit in a violin case. You need the cello. You, you need the cello. Actually, the viola. Okay. <laughs> but, um, you know, you always see it in the movies, the guy pulling it out of his violin case and hosing down the room. Uh, which is all very well and good, but um, he continues to keep firing for a good five, ten minutes, right? Well, that that well, those were the rare belt-fed Thompsons because the ammunition was going up his shirt sleeve, going out the back into the prop master behind him. Um, <laughs> the other thing that people don't uh, understand about movies from that time period is um, there was no such thing as a squib. Uh, and a squib is where, you know, if you shoot at an actor – behind him the wall explodes or whatever from uh to simulate gunfire in the 1920s they actually ha had paid marksmen shooting at the actors and it was a common tradition that the night before the big shoot so to speak the main actor would take the uh shooter out to dinner <clears throat> and tuck him in bed to make sure that he was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed the next morning <clears throat> sometimes that worked, sometimes it didn't. <clears throat> but uh, the, the Thompson became very popular in cinematography. But uh, in real life, the the actual number of cases where the Thompson was used uh, were very low compared to just using a pistol or a shotgun. Right. And and once again, just like the uh, stupid laws and assault weapon laws and stuff like that, it's it looks mean. It's really loud. Uh, it's in the movies, therefore it must be reality, right? So more people are killed in the 1920s and 30s with handguns and shotguns, the 1897 pump shotgun, right? Uh, yep. they, they, they're racking around with that all the time, but the submachine gun gets blamed. You know, and like you said, you pull the trigger, it's got 1,500 rounds a minute. You've got a 20-round stick or even a 50-round stick. You're out of bullets in about two seconds, well, this this one they'd actually lowered the rate of fire down to about eight hundred rounds per minute. Oh, that'll so, last all day. Yeah, yeah. And according to Hollywood, yes, um, it'll last at least five minutes on the screen. When in actuality, it's about ten fifteen seconds. Um, but it was still very popular in Hollywood. It looked good on the screen. It had moving parts. You had a big muzzle flash out of the front end. So, and um, no, how about the break? Is that the first break that was used on a on a on an arm, um, small arm? You're talking about the muzzle brake? Mm -hmm. uh, no, actually, it wasn't. Uh, the first one was actually on the BARs and shotguns of the era, uh, all designed by the same gentleman by the name of Richard Cutts. Um, but that really does help keep the nose down, right? Um, it really depends on the shooter. Um, sure. Most people find that after a little bit of experience, you, you don't need it. Uh, the other big problem with the muzzle brakes on Thompsons is they're they're hard to clean. So um, if you're going to shoot one, uh, most people will actually, you know, prefer one without the uh, muzzle brake on the front. 
Good to know. Good to know. Okay. So this, this, this era, the gangster era, the Great Depression leads us up to World War II. Correct. During World War, during the star World of the War show II, is the Thompson. The, the star of the show is the Thompson. When Germany starts uh, overrunning Poland and the lowlands and eventually France, um, all the Allied troops are running up against the German MP40, and they have no answer to it. So the only gun that was readily available and in production was the Thompson submachine gun. She was obsolete by the time the war started, but because she was available, she was the only thing thrown into, into the fire. Um, the gun was uh, put back into production because Colt had built the 15,000 and stopped at that point. Uh, it was put back into production this time by Savage Firearms for auto ordnance. And a couple of years into the U.S. involvement in the war, um, auto ordnance finally set up its own factory in Bridgeport, Connecticut. So auto ordnance was controlling the design and just parting out all the all the job shops. Correct. Up until the factory in Bridgeport, Connecticut, they didn't have uh, their own factory. Interesting. Okay. How many weapons were made for World War II? That's a subject of, of debate among historians. Um, but basically, between the first design, the model of 1928, and the later designs called the M1, um, you're looking at probably very close to 2 million guns were, were produced, or 2 million guns and spare parts were produced to, during the war. Uh, and that's the production that was done here in the United States. The Chinese, in the, even in the 1920s, had set up their own factory and were producing them in, in China as well. For use where? Uh, in China, originally. Um, later on, uh, some of them were actually found in Korea and in Vietnam against us. Uh, but originally, China was using them for fighting against the Japanese. Right. That's what I was, I was thinking. So in the 20s, they started building them, but they didn't. What year was the Japanese? Uh, 39 or 40, they went into China? Um, they went into uh, China in late 38, 39. 38, 39. And, uh, and the Chinese warlords and, and military at the time did have a few Thompsons, but not enough to stop the Japanese. No, not enough. That's for sure. Okay, so World War II, were they mainly deployed in the European theater, Pacific, or both? The Thompson saw use in every theater of the war. It was actually um, supplied to everybody. Uh, every country, every allied country that we have found printed a manual on it, including the Germans and the Japanese. Uh, because like any army, when you pick up arms from people you've defeated, uh, you put them in use. And the Germans in, were very good at doing that uh, in their secondary uh, line troops. They would use captured weapons. So you had to have manuals to teach your troops how to use them. So the Thompson really became a worldwide recognized firearm by everybody, friend and foe. And how many um, of the World War II guns are still in circulation? That um, in circulation, if you mean 
available for ownership by private hands. Um, ATF is telling us that somewhere around about 10, 15,000 maximum are are available. And those those are the full auto mode, right? Correct. So they'd be registered class three weapons. All uh, machine guns had to be registered starting in 1934, and the registration closed in 1968. I'm sorry, 86. Sorry. Yeah, which is interesting. So, so if you had one of those um, earlier serial numbers, it's worth a fortune now. Well, pretty much right now, if it's registered on the registry, uh, they're all worth a fortune now. Exactly. Because there can be no more put onto it. Exactly. Uh, supply and demand. You got to love that. Okay, folks. So used in World War II, didn't make World War I, used in World War II, got a great history in Hollywood. Um, unfortunately, because of its history in Hollywood, it was probably put on the ban list early, but that's what happens with success. And we're going to talk more about the actual specs, the firings, the, the cartridges, everything involved with that, the different versions of them when we come back with Tracy Hill. Tracy Hill, the author of Thompson, the American Legend, and some other great books you can find at Amazon. That would be Amazon.com. Uh, or you can contact him and actually have him sign them for you. I think actually, if you send in an extra check, you can get a signed Thompson, but uh, you'll have to negotiate with him what the size of that check is going to be. We'll be right back after this, folks. Have a great day. Hi, folks. Philip Naiman from Firing Line Radio Show. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW Safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high-quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated $1 million for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life. CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at ccwsafe.com. Springtime is just around the corner. Soon, it'll be time to get back outdoors and soak up a little sun. And we need it. So why not enjoy the outdoors with the things you love in the field, or the range, in the lake, or even in the stream? It's a great time now to get stocked up with the gear you need. Turner's Outdoorsman is California's number one hunting, fishing, and shooting sports retailer since 1971. And it even has 33 locations across California and one in Tucson, Arizona. Turner's is your one-stop shop for all your shooting sports and fishing tackle needs. We offer a full selection and unmatched prices on firearms, ammunition, gun safes, shooting accessories, archery equipment, and fishing tackle. Visit turners.com now and sign up for the Turner's Discount Club for free and get our weekly ads and member specials sent directly to your inbox. Turner's Outdoorsman's savings you deserve on the gear you need. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Yes! Great hunter. Yes? Yes. Fine figure of a man. Yes? Yes? Yes. That is all you need to know for now. Hey, folks, welcome back to Firing Line Radio Show. Philip Naiman here. Hope you're having a great day wherever you are. It's raining where I am. Um, 
here with Tracy Hill. Tracy Hill, the author of Thompson, the American Legend, the ultimate Thompson book, Thompson Encyclopedia, and Thompson 123 for kindergartners. So it's a coloring book, but you want to make sure it's in your school. It's probably the best coloring book they're ever going to find, right? It's it's Second Amendment friendly. So make sure if you haven't done yet, done one yet, buy one, put it in your local kindergarten just for fun. Um, okay. That may not exist, but it should, you should, you do need a coloring book for uh, kindergartners or you can work on there that. Actually, there, there already is kin- coloring books for kindergartners uh, and but, dealing with all machine guns. Well, see, see, I wasn't too far off and I made that up. It's uh, art, art imitate science. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about the tech specs on the Thompson 1927, 28, whatever version you're, you're talking, whatever it takes, whatever version you're talking about here. Um, they were made fully auto, but then after 34, um, it became more difficult to to buy. So that then they started doing the semi-auto version for civilians. Well, after World War II, right? Yeah. Most of the semi-automatic only guns came about about 1959 um, and were owned, uh, produced by a company by the name of Numerich, uh, operating under the uh, guise of Auto Ordnance Corporation. And they made them with a 16-inch barrel and firing only in semi-automatic. Now, when did the military wean off the uh, Thompson? Toward the end of World War II, uh, the the U.S. military started to wean off the Thompson, and they went on to, like, the grease gun, and uh, later then into the M16 era. Uh, But during World War II, the British uh, got their Sten submachine guns up and running, and the Russians got their PPSH forty uh, ones in operation. So by end of World War II, the gun was obsolete. Okay, well, you might call it obsolete. I think they're still pretty cool. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the current versions then semi-automatic. Um, the the traditional look on them had the hundred round drum. Is it hundred or fifty? Both. You yeah. can buy it either way. How long does it take to load a hundred rounds in that drum? It, it's actually deceptively easy because most a, people a key realize lock it. Yeah, you you push the key to the side and the whole front cover comes off, and then you load it in a spiral like a racetrack, and then put it together and you wind it up like a wind-up toy, uh, and that's how the drum feeds. So it's actually not that hard to load. Well, it's not that quick to load either, but then it is 100 rounds. Yeah, and it's it's also one of these cases that when you do have it loaded and in the gun, you bring it to your shoulder and you start shooting as fast as possible because the weight, it becomes uh, cumbersome to, for most people. That's true. You know, think about two boxes of 50, you know, uh, 45 caliber ammunition. That's not the lightest thing in the world. Does it operate better on the 230 grain bullet? Or are there certain grades that doesn't? Typically on the 230-grain full metal jacket. Okay. Uh, the, the fully automatics, though, have been known to fire even with 45-caliber wad cutter. Hmm. Well, they're a little, little sloppier on the uh, on the ramp feed. Yeah. Now, uh, years ago, the auto ordinance in, in our era, the 80s, uh, had some feeding issues. You know, how did they overcome those? Well, for one thing, the uh, the company changed hands and got bought by uh, Car Arms, and Car Arms now operates Auto Ordnance today, and they've made a number of manufacturing changes to improve improve reliability. 
But normally the biggest problem with any firearm is always going to be the magazine. And if you bend the lips on the magazines, they won't feed no matter how good the gun is. Okay. And uh, magazines are still readily available. Now, actually, let me let me jump back here, folks. If you are in some some states, uh, this may not be a legal firearm for you to own. California, it's specifically listed as a assault weapon. Um, Forget about New York, New Jersey, I'm sure. Uh, So this is for freedom loving Americans, wherever you are, you still have the opportunity to pick up a Thompson in the semi-automatic mode, unless you have a big check, which you could send to Tracy and then he'll. He'll release one of his hmm. special ones for you, but it's got to be a big check because this guy really likes his Thompsons. Anyway, or, or you or you can pick up an airsoft. <laughs> we actually have an airsoft. My son has a Thompson yep. airsoft. <laughs> it, the Thompson airsofts are actually a lot of fun to use, and uh, they can go fully automatic. They do. And, That's and, funny uh, you say the, that. I forgot we even had that. They're really even fun if you add the uh, light kit to it and fire a tracer. I haven't seen that. That sounds like a oh, lot yeah. of fun. That's funny. I forgot he even had that. Oh. <laughs> so, okay, so fighting 230 grainers, how hard is it to magazine change? Is it like an AK, pop out, rock in? Uh, the magazine change, if you're practiced at it, most people can do it in a few seconds. It's, okay. it's very easy. Drop one, pick one up. Okay. And then, do, 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 do. so the other thing is if you do get a Thompson, all right, um, what does your cost of living go up just to feed it 45 ACP every month? Well, everybody makes priorities and choices on what, what they want to do. Um, it, it's proportional to the cost of the gun. Well, I would say, I would say that you know, we're just past the first of the year. Everybody has a weight loss goal. So why buy food when you can buy 45 ACP and feed it to your Thompson? <laughs> you're going to accomplish a couple of goals right there, right? You're going to get thinner. You're going to look better. You're going to have a lot more fun. So, and chicks dig it. So that's a, that's a good thing. Um, the new models that are out there, right? You've got the commando, You've got the traditional. Why don't you give us a a quick rundown on those? If I was going to buy one, what would you recommend for me? Well, basically, they they make a what is called the 27A1, which is a 16-inch barrel. You can have the barrel with the fins on it. You can have it with a compensator or no compensator on it. Uh, Horizontal or vertical front forearm. Basically the same gun. Um, the, the is there only an advantage perfect. in shooting between the, uh, the, tra- the traditional pistol stock vertical forend versus the, uh, the one over the barrel, your, your horizontal, is there a difference in shooting them to you? It's, it's really depends on what the shooter is used to using in his hand. And, and if you buy it one way or the other, and you want to switch back and forth, you can do that. The only difference is the length of the screw holding the wood on. That's the only difference between the two. So if you buy it one way, don't like it, you can change it out and, and put it the other way. And you're saying that, well, it is, it's a full-size heavy gun shooting a 45. So the reason to have a muzzle brake on it, you know, if you can't control a 45 and a rifle that weighs, what, 12 pounds, um, <laughs> you should be well, 12, pounds, 12, 12 pounds is a fully automatic gun, so you're looking more at like 13, 14 pounds. Uh, yeah, the, the muzzle brake on the semi-automatics is is – for looks only. 
Right. And the other part of that is, you know, if you're shooting it at night or something, you've got that muzzle brake on there, you're throwing a flash in front of your face. So uh, for defensive purposes, that may not be the way to go. True. Um, but most people aren't swinging a 16-inch barrel around in a house in a uh, dark environment. Have you seen our neighborhood? <laughs> I'd rather have a shotgun. <laughs> Not at 16 inches, Amy. folks. 18 and 0.1 inches. 18.1 for the shotgun there. <laughs> um, yeah. Bring, and um, some of the more iconic uses of this in the movies, right? You've got, uh, I just was going to mention it and then I forgot, the one with uh, Kevin Costner in it, Untouchables, right? Untouchables, you've, you've, seen, yeah. you've seen them work in that. Um, have you ever been in, uh, used on the movies for technical expertise? I have not, but I have helped other people who are the experts on, on the Hollywood things. But uh, you have, you know, the, the untouchables. You had the road to perdition, uh, which is ironic because there isn't a single live gun on that movie set. They're all, all CG'd, uh, fake. Um, but uh, most people didn't didn't know that. But um, even modern video games nowadays, most kids who play uh, the video games, recognize the Thompson because it's featured in Call of Duty, uh, along with a number of other programs. And available in Airsoft, a high-quality Airsoft gun. Hey, and available in Airsoft. Now, the um, what, what is a cost factor? Now, we like to... Uh, we, we realize that some guy might be riding with his wife in a car, right? And... Uh, <laughs> And listening to our show, and we don't know what he said it, it cost him. So, you know, everything's like around 100 bucks or so uh, for a firearm. Um, but these are not too terribly over $100, uh, I think. It's not as, as if you're looking into, you know, m multiple ranges of them. So they are, for what they are, fairly expensive. Is there, are they only made by auto ordinance now? Uh, currently, they are only made by our organs, yes. And you endorse them? You say everybody should have uh, at least one? Everybody needs a nice wall hanger. And a book to go with it. Folks, I want, to thank my, I want to thank my special guest, Tracy Hill, author of Thompson, the American Legend, the ultimate Thompson book, Thompson Encyclopedia, and you can find those at Amazon. Their website, MachineGunBoards.com, American Thompson Association. Tracy, thank you very much. That's our whole show. Hope you have a great no day and God bless. Shoot, Felipe. Shoot. When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Turner's Outdoorsman, IndustryGreetings.com, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Vortex Optics, Vortex, The Force of Optics, and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. I'd like to introduce you to a new sponsor to the show, Sean Gibbs of Ask Defensive Training Company. They're in Redlands, California. They also sell guns and ammo. But the most important thing that they have for you here today is their training courses. Ask, kind of an interesting name. Why would you call it that for guns and ammo? Well, Ask stands for Attitude, 
skills, and knowledge. And that's what they focus on at Ask Defensive Training. Sean has basic courses for a first-time gun buyer. If you're not familiar with your firearm, you want to be able to use it safely, perfect place for that. He has also additional courses for defensive handgun, advanced handgun, and even learning how to shoot a firearm in low-light situations. Bring your mag light. So folks, check them out at askdefensive.com, A-S-K, defensive.com for a schedule of classes. He's got a great store in there too, so buy what you want, train what you want, askdefensive.com. Inflation, inflation, inflation. Hi there, Philip Naiman from Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management, professional investment advice with a Christian worldview. You've all heard it, it's all over the news. The Fed has raised interest rates and may continue to raise them in the future. When the Federal Reserve said inflation was transitory, we now know it's a stiff reality. So how does that affect you? Well, financing anything will be more expensive, but if you're able to invest with these higher interest rates, things may finally be in your favor. Financial institutions have been slow to pass on higher interest rates to investors. We don't have that problem. If you're looking to take advantage of today's higher yields or even an improvement on your money market yields, please give me a call, 909-406-1144, 909-406-1144, or schedule an appointment at cornerstonecwm.com, cornerstonecwm.com. Securities offered through LPL Financial Member FINRA SIPC. AM 590, the answer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 